Dr. Ron here, your host of Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored. I welcome you with an attitude of gratitude because an attitude of gratitude not only boosts joy and general life satisfaction, it is also the single best predictor of good relationships and benefits both sanity and physical health. And for today, ladies and gentlemen, just be aware that life will go by fast. Don't fight with people. Don't criticize your body so much. Don't complain so much. Don't lose sleep over your bills. Look for that person that makes you happy. If you make a mistake, let it go and keep seeing your happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, this program is brought to you each and every week by Dr. Ron. And this program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And, um, you know, after three months of moving and uh, death in the family and uh, shakeups here at the uh, podcast station, uh, we are now have a path to... Uh, success again so our path to success will be to continue bringing you first rate guests so that you can get the education you need to make good informed medical decisions and to so that you can be the CEO of your own body and help your family make good decisions when you see physicians you know today's topic is conflicts of interest and lies in medicine and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a little bit about the flu, quote-unquote flu. Uh, but I, our plan will be uh, we're going to be switching uh, podcast providers here in January. We are working on an app that you can download on Apple or Android. And you can listen to our show through that app or chat with us through that app. And we will be connected to Skype so that you can call in free of charge no matter where you are uh, to listen to our program. So that's our plan, and uh, we're going to keep working uh, uh, toward that every day. So what, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I have some very, very interesting topics for you. Uh, but as it always happens, something uh, the internet goes crazy. So let me get back to my page, and we will get on with our program. So, topics today: federally funded health researchers disclose at least 188 million dollars in conflicts of interest. We're going to talk a little bit about the risk of flu medications. 
we're going to talk a little bit about faulty medical devices and then in the last 10 years how they have killed at least 83,000 people. I want to bring you a concept about electromagnetic frequencies and influenza. And if we have time, we're going to talk about a, an Alzheimer's medication that was initially not given the green light by the FDA, but now looks like it's going to be approved anyway. So let's just talk a little bit about, about lies, because relentless lies, uh, a, a study in, in a paper called studyfinds.org was titled Relentless Lies. The more you see a fake news piece, the more likely you are to share it. So over the past few years, it's become quite commonplace to encounter frank news fake news stories. But, you know, it could be uh, something uh, seemingly harm harmless, uh, <clears throat> such as a Facebook, a Facebook uh, post or a political hit piece with no sub subtle agenda, could be misleading news items, sort of becoming a, a fact of life in our, in our life these days. But this study, which is an international study, found that the more we encounter a particular fake news story, we become steadily more inclined to share the story with others, even if we know it's false. So if you remember over the years, I've been telling you that lies are believed a hundred times more than the truth. And th this is what we're seeing. Researchers from the University of Southern California and a London business school say that people may feel less and less unethical and increasingly comfortable sharing fake news stories the more they themselves encounter it online. To put it succinctly, the more we see fake news, the more we accept it as a narrative, even if we know at our core it is simply not true. So you really have to think about that and uh, the power of people like Google and Facebook. Uh, they could actually put things out there that aren't true, but just keep repeating them. And it seems like uh, a lot of us will just go ahead and, and send it on and forget to check it out. And whatever we've been talking about the past five years, the need for critical thinking, no matter what it is, the need for critical thinking is really important. So this, in, this not only applies to medicine, it applies to our democracies because misinformation can stoke political polarization and undermine it. So we have to understand about information and why it spreads. So just keep that in mind. That no matter what you read, uh, put those uh, glasses on and, uh, and think about it, okay? All right, let's just, uh, let me just mention this because this has been, uh, I've seen this post on Facebook about uh, Alzheimer's. Or, you know, I think that, uh, Professor Peskin, who will be our guest shortly, has the answer, one of the answers for Alzheimer's, and that is uh, the cell membranes are leaking and not, not being properly nourished by having the wrong type of oils around them. So the amyloid leaks out of the cells, and the amyloid is just an end result of a bad problem rather than, and it does cause symptoms, but it's a result of the cell membrane being uh, uh, too porous and letting the wrong things in and out. So, you know, you're, you keep seeing new drugs for Alzheimer's and that's what the media and the drug company claim. And they wanna get these things approved in a hurry. Okay, now there's one drug that is, that is already broken okay and they want to get it approved the drug makers have claimed that they missed something last year when the drug aducanumab a d u c a n u m a b when it flunked the study wow turns out it actually works they say and now this failed medication which failed a previous trial is suddenly in the fast lane for FDA approval. So what are we missing? What do we have to think about? In this first study, it just didn't flunk. It flunked so badly, the FDA pulled the plug on the research early. 
and you you believe drug companies, they simply don't walk away from studies uh, that unless there's because they've invested so much money in them. So something had to, something had to be very very wrong for the drug company to work walk away from that study. So what's going on? We know they had two studies going on at one time. One turned out to be positive, the other was negative. The negative one, high doses of the drug, led to worse symptoms of Alzheimer's and a faster decline. But somehow, the numbers never changed, but the analysis did. We're not even talking about the safety end of the business. They just say, well, it's consistent with previous studies. Given that the drug's been linked to potentially deadly brain inflammation in the limited previous studies, I'm not too encouraged about that. One final trick. They're cooking up a new study, one the FDA could use to approve this drug, and it won't have a placebo. Okay? They'll be testing it against itself. Well, I would, uh, when this drug comes out, I w- wouldn't be the first to try it. There's a couple things very clear about Alzheimer's disease, though. The beta amyloid plaques targeted by this drug are linked to dementia. But clearing them out isn't a cure. You know, there's been a lot of drugs for Alzheimer's that have tried this, and they've all failed. The fact that it magically worked after failing, I don't know about that. And this is a modern disease, this Alzheimer's disease, caused by something unique to modern society. Almost certainly toxins in general, you could say, electromagnetic fields, the toxins in food, water, plastics, and makeup. And sometimes, as we talked about last week, it could be related to medications. You know, we talked about uh, the antihistamines, the anti-Parkinson drugs. So what do you do? If, if, what do you do? Well, first of all, you don't try this new drug. You don't try any drug new unless you're really, really, really desperate. So one of the first things that, that uh, Dr. Spreen would advise would eliminate all drugs as a first step, at least as much as possible. And it looks like he may be onto something also because we talked about this last week that a lot of drugs can cause symptoms of Alzheimer's. So then you have to rule out things that mimic Alzheimer's if that doesn't work. And one of the diseases is chronic Lyme disease, which can look like dementia. So, so what much so that experts have misdiagnosed this. So if you're still stuck, I would ex- take extreme action with your diet, including cut out all hints of anything processed or anything with chemicals. Eat only organic, non-GMO foods. Detox your GI tract with a cleanse. Treat undiagnosed yeast infections. Load up on essential nutrients for brain power, including ginkgo, phosphatidylserine, intravenous vitamin C. And you don't have to pick just one. You can pick them all. So uh, just be careful of uh, this uh, new drug, A-D-U-C-A-N-U-M-A-B, Aducanumab. Aducanumab. I have a hard time with that, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that. So that's number one. Number two, uh, faulty medical devices have killed 83,000 people in the United States in the last 10 years. Between 2015 and 28, regulators in the UK received 62,000 reports of adverse reactions to medical devices. This was reported in The Guardian. A third of those cases resulted in serious health problems, and 1,000 of them died. In the US, the FDA has received 5.4 million adverse event reports in the last 10 years. Injuries reported in 1.7 million cases and 83,000 people died. And nearly 500,000 underwent additional surgery to remove these, these defective devices. 
Now, I know you're not hearing that on the television, but this is, this is, this is reported. The data which make up the implant files are derived from 252 journalists and 59 media organizations across 36 countries that uncovered major problems with medical devices. And guess what this industry does worldwide a year? 400 billion with a B dollars. And of course, uh, as we've been talking about, breast implants are another medical device that are linked to health problems. It is estimated that a half a million women globally have been affected by defective breast implants because they were made of cheap industrial silicone. Believe it or not, this silicone is the same type used to seal windows. And they were also made of a textured Velcro-like surface that attaches to the breast tissue. So they have been associated with uh, anaplastic large cell lymphoma, a rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that affects the immune system. So we have drugs that are getting approved that that shouldn't be. We have faulty medical devices. And then we have the people over at uh, ProPublica. That's a nonprofit organization. And they have just uh, come out with an article on December 6th. Federally funded health researchers disclosed at least $188 million in conflicts of interest. Wow. Federally funded health researchers reported more than 8,000 significant public knowledge. It's just, I don't see it out on television or in the newspapers. I want you to be aware of it. Again, this is just for your information so that you can have some critical thinking when you do things. Let's just talk about a couple more articles and then we'll call it a day. Uh, and one is uh, just a, just a, again, I want to make you think, and we have talked a lot about uh, electromagnetic fields, okay? They really are the cigarettes of uh, tomorrow when we look back on this. And 5G is going to be, create a lot of health problems, but because our governments are involved with it, because it's involved with our defenses, we probably aren't going to be able to stop them, but we have to have a system to protect our bodies from this 5G. And one of the things is we talked about about a month ago, the microbiome of our, of our intestines. I think that will help. But we have to talk about turning off our Wi-Fi at night, uh, doing some kind of shielding if necessary, maybe turning off circuit breakers. Uh, but that's a subject for another program. So there's a book that Dr. Cowan just read called The Invisible Rainbow by uh, Arthur Furstenberg. And uh, I thought it was really interesting because uh, we're going to be talking a lot next January uh, about the fourth phase of water. Uh, it's, it's one that it probably is in the healing waters of all the shrines throughout the world. And whenever you hear about uh, water healing people, it probably is, is a, involves the fourth phase of water. But be that as it may, the electromagnetic environment, which we uh, humans and all living beings evolved over the years, has been radically altered in the past couple of centuries through the introduction of man-made electrical devices. And according to the book, there is no clearer place to see these effects than in a thorough investigation of the history of influenza for the past 150 years. So here are summaries from Dr. Cowan about Mr. Furstenberg's book describing the events. Just, just, just listen to it, see if you know if you agree with it. But they are facts. 1918, the Great Blue Pandemic. At that time, the U.S. installed 13 giant radio communication transmitters throughout the world. They all went live late in 1917 through the end of 1918. For the first time. Radio signals could be heard in every part of the globe. At that time, the Spanish flu affected one-third of the world's population, killing tens of millions of people. 
It occurred in places like the Antarctica, which, which had no contact with the outside world. The first known cases were 1,127 radio operators at Camp Funston, Kansas. They were the first to use wireless transmitters. Patients mostly died because changes in coagulation of their blood, a known and recognized effect at the time of a, and they called it electricity sickness. The other interesting point is that most affected were the young and healthy, not the old and infirm. And believe it or not, there were multiple attempts to prove contagion of the illness, and they were uniformly unsuccessful. 1918. 1957, Asian flu pandemic. This outbreak coincided with the installation of white Alice communication systems installed throughout Alaska with signals powerful enough to cover the globe. It went live, guess when? November of 1956. The flu pandemic started in the fall of 57. 1968, the Hong Kong flu. On June 12, 1968, the U.S. went live with the first global military satellites called the Initial Defense Communications Satellite Program. It was the first time a global communication system was inserted directly into the Earth's outer radiation belt called the Van Allen Belt. This disrupted the magnetic field globally in an unprecedented way. The Hong Kong flu, which killed millions, began July of 1968. Since 1968, two landmark events in the history of electromagnetic fields occurred. The introduction of wireless cellular technology followed by high-frequency active oral research programs. The dates and the flu pandemics associated with these events are not as clear as the other ones I've mentioned, but it is also possible that these were not marked by a flu pandemic as much as dramatic increases in diabetes, heart disease, neurodegenerative diseases, because, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that humans, in fact, all human, all living things, have adapted to this technology, but at a price of our health. After the Hong Kong flu epidemic, doctors and scientists, not suspecting a link between electromagnetic environment and these pandemics, investigated whether influenza was caused by a contagious agent, such as a virus. However, the flu black uh, broke out in many places at once around the globe, spreading faster than any living thing could travel. Finally, the public health department in Boston decided to investigate just how contagious influenza was. Here's the report, quote, In a further experiment with new volunteers and donors, the salt solution was eliminated with cotton swabs, the material was transferred directly from nose to nose and from throat to throat using donors in the first, second, and third day of the disease. So they got swabs from people that were infected and put them in non-infected people. None of the volunteers who received the material, now this was directly transferred in these cases, took sick in any way. All of the volunteers received at least two and some of them three shots as they expressed it. Simply put, these and many other studies failed to provide any support that influenza was a contagious microbial disease. So, I could go on with this, but you get the idea. And we're on the cusp of a, of a big step in the history of electromagnetic field exposure in, on this Earth. With the 4G, 5G rollout, uh, it, we're going to see health problems and not everybody's going to be able to connect the dots just like I told you about the 82 million CAT scans that are done a year 10 years from now when people get cancer and they you know they forget they had four or five CAT scans in, the, in their lifetime and nobody is connecting the dots so electromagnetic fields are a subject for a, another blog another podcast and just be careful if you get the so-called flu. Remember that only 6% of the cases are even really uh, uh, diagnosed properly. I mean, that the, most people got the flu just because their doctor says, says they do, because they have symptoms. And so there are lots of flu drugs out there. The Tamiflu actually, you know, can make you sick, give you hallucinations, and you may save you six or eight hours. That's all it's good for. Uh, 
Tamiflu. Lots of side effects. Okay, make you vomit too. So, be careful of these drugs. And, and here, here's here's something I, you know, we talk about placebos. A drug company will test their drug against a sugar pill, and compare the the, the side effects. Well, they they uh, are doing something that uh, is against the motto of first do no harm. They managed to turn placebos upside down. They have created placebos designed to hurt people. Let's take a flu drug, which causes nausea and vomiting. A new report finds that they cooked up a placebo that is not inactive, like a sugar pill. They put in dihydrochloric acid into the mix so that the pill would be bitter tasting. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Dichlorhydrochloric acid also causes GI problems. You see that? So when you study, you don't just compare effectiveness of a drug to placebo, you also compare the side effects. That gives people a true picture of what the balance is between benefits versus risks. If, for example, the flu drug works but causes nausea and vomiting and diarrhea, a perfectly sane, sane choice, in my opinion, would be skip the drug and just deal with the flu. Why trade one <clears throat> misery for another? So what happens when you when you put a, a, an active placebo into the mix? It masks the drug side effects. Because now this says the drug gives you the same effect as the placebo. And it doesn't make the drug look so bad if they both cause nausea and vomiting, if the so-called quote-unquote placebo. But it's been going on, and a lot of placebos now have active ingredients. There was a, there's a report in the European Journal of Clinical Investigation which blew the lid off this scam, revealing how drug trials slip active ingredients into placebos to cover up the side effects. Now, did you ever think about asking your doctor? Did your doctor ever think about asking the drug rep when he comes in with his samples and lunches and everything? Actually, there is uh, a way that a, to use a placebo scientifically, and that's a 12-item checklist. But almost none of them, according to this report, answered all 12 questions. Instead, they conceal the placebo ingredients. So no one can even figure out what's inside them. Just 8.5% of studies explain why they chose a specific, a specific placebo. So now we're just supposed to trust them? Oh, well. You know what? There is a study out there that went head-to-head -head against echinacea. The echinacea not only matched the drug in terms of effectiveness, but had less than one-half the risk of side effects. So here we go. We're, just because the thing is natural, don't make it safe. But here's a case where natural proved a lot safer than, than the drug. And remember, lies are believed 100 times more readily than the truth. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is my take for this week. We are primarily now we're going to be on Spreaker. Uh, we'll still continue on Block Talk Radio for a while until our app uh, is promoted on uh, Google Play and Apple Store. Uh, but this is our first full episode on Spreaker, and I uh, thank you for listening. And uh, I hope that uh, we will meet again every week. Uh, I can give you my take uh, on what's being published out there. And just like uh, this, we don't want your heads to blow off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Dr. Ron. We will see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored with your host, Dr. Ron. We are here each and every week. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. We bring you medical news that you can use, medical news that's up to date on drug reactions and interpretation of medical articles. We also have some great guests scheduled, so thank you again, have a great week, listen to us on Apple, Alexa, 
iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Ciao.
I'm going to go to the hospital. 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 I'm going